Thank you for the joy of music and celebration. Now we want to hear from you, from your word. And so we pray, speak into our lives words of hope and meaning through the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen. I wonder if you ever think about where songs come from. Songs are an incredible gift to us. And this morning we've been celebrating some of the real favourites of kind of the soul era. And there's no doubt music has this incredible power. It touches our emotions, our imagination. Uh, There's a colour, there's a life, there's a community that actually music brings us together. And that's what's happening this morning. But songs don't just sort of pop out of a vacuum. They come from life and the raw experiences of life and the joys of life and the struggles of life. And one of the great songs that we sing every year, and I remember the first time they sang it, was the one we've just had, Oh Happy Day. And what I want to do this morning is just very briefly um, reflect on this song for us, firstly about its history, just where did it actually come from? And secondly, I want to tell us a story of a very happy day, which comes out of the Gospels. But firstly, the story of Oh Happy Day. Now, I don't know if you know this guy, dressed as only you could dress in the 70s. I mean, come on, guys, who can remember those days? The flares, yeah, put your hands up. Who had some? Come on. I don't know if we had the body or the afro, but um, this is Ed Hawkins. And Ed Hawkins was a gospel pianist from the Berkeley Gospel Choir. And he wanted to take a whole bunch of singers off to a conference in Washington. So to raise some funds for that, what he did was he put eight gospel songs together for him and his choir to sing. One of them we've just sung, Oh Happy Day. And the whole idea was to raise some funds as they pressed hopefully about 500 records. Their sales would be going to the proceeds toward the conference. Now, at the end of the day, they didn't get the record pressed before they went. It was actually pressed later. And they had these eight songs. They went to the conference, which really was, a, if I can say, a sing-off. I mean, we think of conference speakers lecturing us, but this was not a kind of conference like that. It was just a celebration of choirs. And they came second. Now, the interesting thing is, um, we love this song, and it's a famous song. Aretha Franklin, if you have a look on YouTube, 16 million views. And let me say, it is worth listening to the Queen of Soul sing this song. I've been listening to it this week. Um, they never sang this song at the concert. Yet they came second. It wasn't one of their favourite songs. But what happened was, when they came back, the 500 records were pressed. And they went out. Now, they were just selling the records through the kind of church avenues. But one of the guys who picked the song up was a guy called DJ Abe Voco Kesh. And he looks kind of a cool dude. And he was the DJ on the radio station um, KSAN FM in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And so he picks up the song and he starts playing it on the secular airwaves. Before long, there's a record label called Buddha Records and they pick it up and this song just takes off. And historically, this is the first song that transitioned, if I can say, from gospel choir into the secular airwaves. Now, how would you think we'd feel about that if we had a great song like this here in church that Burundi Dave wrote or Dave Hanbury wrote and all of a sudden it's been played on Today FM and you know all the radio stations? Well, this is what happened. The church elders got together and they petitioned the radio station to take it off. <laughs> Incredible. They were upset. Anyway, Hawkins, who was a committed Christian, 
And he's a gospel musician. And if you Google, have a listen to Ed Hawkins and his wife sing the version. And there's just this preaching by the wife about the joys of heaven and the golden paved you know, pathway. And you can just see their faith radiating from the screen there. But this is what Hawkins said. And that's the band. They got renamed, not the Berkeley Gospel Choir, but the Ed Hawkins Singers. He said this, I think they thought that they were doing the right thing, talking of the church elders. He said, what confused me about it was that they were teaching us all our lives that we were to take the message everywhere. And he's going, and now it's out there and they want to take it back. And he said, it didn't make sense. Because you see, when you listen to Hawkins sing and you listen to his wife, uh, this song really was an anthem for them in terms of who they were and what they'd experienced. Now, they didn't write the lyrics. They just wrote the catchy tune. The actual song was written by a guy called Philip Doddbridge in the 18th century. Now, who knows Philip Doddbridge or heard of him? (laughs) One person down there. Yes, we had one person. We had two at eight (laughs) o'clock. Let me tell you about Philip Doddbridge. He was a minister of the gospel. He'd grown up within the Church of England, which was not in a healthy state at that time. And he was born again and came to faith in Christ. The Church of England wanted him to become a minister, but because they weren't in the best state health-wise, I'll just put it like that, um, he left and became what's called a non-conformist minister, basically independent. And he wrote many hymns and he wrote books. And he was a contemporary of Isaac Watts, who some of you may know was the great English hymn writer. And they were colleagues together in ministry. He also wrote books, and one of his books was about the Christian faith, a young politician picked it up and it had an incredible impact on his life and it helped him become a Christian. Do you know who that politician was? William Wilberforce, who led the charge for the abolition of slavery. This man who wrote the hymn, Oh Happy Day, was also influential in his conversion. little trivia fact for those who are Queen Victoria uh, buffs. Queen Victoria so loved this hymn that she had it sung at the confirmation of one of her daughters. Let me show you the words for the original hymn that Ed Hawkins took his song from. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Saviour and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. And you hear the voice of a man who has not just got an intellectual belief in Christ but whose life has been touched and transformed from the most inmost places and he now glows, his heart rejoices. And the chorus, happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away, he taught me how to watch and pray, living, rejoicing every day, happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. And I put verse 3 up because you hear the personal testimony of Philip Doddbridge. It's done, the great great transaction done, I am the Lord's and he is mine. He drew me and I followed on, charmed to confess the voice divine. I just want to stop and ask you a question. What's been the happiest day in your life? It's a good question to ask. And I reckon all of us will, when asked that question, be able to reflect back on numbers of moments in our life that are very, very significant, where you've had great joy. I remember the day my wife said, yes, she'd marry me. Now, that was a great day. And let me tell you, um, she didn't say yes straight away. She waited five days. (laughs) 
there was a certain sense of great relief with the joy. Now, she's not here, so I can say the story. Um, she's away in London visiting my daughter. But that was a happy day. When she walked down the aisle, happy day. When my three kids were born, Rebecca, Sophie, Philip, very happy days. Uh, and recently, uh, it's been an incredible joy and delight, just profoundly, to walk down this aisle with my eldest daughter, Rebecca, and then Sophie, to give them away in marriage to two very fine young men, Shane and Isaac. And I could go on and on, the family holidays, etc. But you know what, there's one day that is more profound than all of those. It's the day in October in 1984 when the Spirit of God convicted me of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for me and my need to turn my life over to him. And I remember to this day getting out of bed at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning, having read Mark's Gospel five times over the previous four weeks, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And you know what? That morning, and I, I had a lot of things I'd done wrong, and sin, and rebellion, and that morning I knew God had forgiven it all. It was the most incredible day where I knew I had been washed clean and I was now part of God's family. And I can still remember that day to this very day, 33 years on. It was profound. And you see, this hymn is really what is expressing those words, Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Saviour and my God. Well may this glowing heart rejoice and tell us raptures all abroad. That is the story of this song, Oh Happy Day. And you might wonder, where do you find this joy, this happiness? And I want to tell you a second story today about a man who had the happiest day of his life that you'll find ever, I think. And it's in the Gospels. And I want to read to us this story. It's a story of a man who woke up in the worst state of being and finished it in raptures. It's the story of the thief who died beside Jesus on the cross. And it's from Luke's Gospel. I've got it on the screen. If you want to have a look, we're at Luke 23, verse 32. But let me put it up on the screen for us. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are, pun we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Three men woke up that morning. Three men were sentenced to die by the most awful means of death, crucifixion, 
by a Roman army. Two of them are convicted criminals. One is the Lord Jesus. And for those two criminals who woke up that morning, they knew this was their last day. For one of them, he knew this was a fearsome day. And they're crucified beside the Lord Jesus, one on his right, one on his left. And those two criminals have very different responses to the Lord Jesus. The first criminal looks at the Lord Jesus and you can just see that his heart is filled with a bitterness and an anger and an angst about what is happening. And he looks at Jesus and rails at him. He's probably heard the news about this one who was the wonderful miracle worker, but now he's dying next to him on a cross. And he looks at him and says, well, if you're the Messiah, save us. And you can just hear the scorn in his voice, the disbelief in his voice, the desperateness in his voice. And then the other criminal who's on the other side turns to him and he says to him, don't you fear God? It's a profound question to ask. We live in a country today really that's lost its fear and awe of God. And this man is afraid because he knows that death is not the pathway to nothingness, as many will think. It's actually entrance into the presence of God and more than that, judgment by him. Listen to what he says. Don't you fear God, since we are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. And he knows he's about to enter the presence of God and face the judgment of God. And there is this holy fear in his soul. The agony of the crucifixion will end, but he knows that is only just the beginning of facing the fearful judgment of God. And here's the wonderful news for today. And this is why this man had the most happy day of his life. He looked at the Lord Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I don't know how he came to that position. What he knew of the Lord Jesus before this day but what we do know is this from what he said, is that as he looks at Jesus dying next to him, he sees someone who is not just a normal mortal man who is dying for his sins, like he is, like the thief on the other side is. He looks at him and he sees a king dying. Go figure that. Kings rule with armies in that day. This king, though, is ruling on a cross. And he's about to enter his kingdom. In other words, there's going to be a victory where he goes into a kingdom. And it's by his death on the cross that this entrance, this victory will be won. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this man has no hope before God. His only hope that he has is the man standing next to him or nailed next to him, to be correct, who is dying but about to enter a kingdom of his own. And he looks at him, and he really is looking at him, pleading for mercy and forgiveness. Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And this man hears the most wonderful news you could ever hear. 
And I want to tell you something, if you're not familiar with the pages of Scripture, there is only one person in all of Scripture who are given the words of assurance that they will be with God in heaven, and it's this man. And it's a wonderful case study about what the gospel, the good news of the Bible is. Because if anyone was undeserving of going to heaven to be with God, it was this man. He self-confessedly says, we're getting what we deserve. We're about to face God, and I'm afraid. And yet this man is the one who has told the most wonderful news. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. You see, the good news of the Bible is we don't earn our way to heaven. Our entrance is given to us by God's grace. And that's what that song sang. And they've put two songs together, Amazing Grace, O Happy Day. And you see, that's why you can sing O Happy Day when you understand Amazing Grace. And that's what this man experienced on the cross, God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ that enabled him entrance into the family of God. And you know what? He woke up that morning facing condemnation and judgment and the fear of facing God with sins unforgiven. By the end of the day, he was in heaven rejoicing with the angels and I reckon singing the loudest of anyone, Oh, happy day. (laughs) Would there have been anyone singing any louder in heaven that day? Oh, happy day. You see, that's the good news. It's not just a song, Oh, happy day. It's an actual reality that you can have and you can know in your life. Oh, happy day, amazing grace, a wretch like me saved. And I want to just conclude by asking you this simple question. Do you know the reality behind this song, Oh, happy day? Have you had your sins forgiven? so that you know you will be accepted by God into heaven when your time comes. There's only one person who can actually forgive you. It's the Lord Jesus, and it's because of his death on the cross for all of us. And I want to invite you, if you don't know that reality, you may have just walked in today, and you're wondering, is there a God in heaven who loves me? Yes, Is there a way for me to be accepted back? Yes. Is it possible to have assurance that I can be with God in heaven forever? Yes. It's because Jesus has died on the cross for us. And what we need to do is what Philip Doddridge did those many years ago when he said, I am the Lord's and he is mine. We need to commit our life to him and trust our life with him. And say, remember me, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. And if you'd like to do that this morning, I'm now going to stop and pray for us as I finish the message. So let us bow our heads and just be quiet for a minute. And I wonder, has God been speaking to you this morning about his amazing grace for you through the Lord Jesus Christ and the reality that Jesus can wash you clean? because of his death on the cross. And if you want to pray with me and commit your life to Jesus this morning, here's a very simple prayer I wrote. Jesus, I am yours. I give my life completely to you. Wash me clean this day. Amen. I'm going to pray that now. If you want to pray with me,
pray along in your hearts. Jesus, I am yours. I give my life to you completely. Wash me clean of my sin. Amen.